All right, today on the Launchpad Podcast, we are continuing our interview with Bart Mixon, the special effects makeup master. Today, we're focusing on the It film and his work on Pet Cemetery and A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 and the New Line reboot. Find out what he did for those movies and more on today's Launchpad Pod. But first, a word from our breakfast sponsors. <laughs> of this boring breakfast shit with raisins again? Oh no! A T-1000! No, I'm the Silver Surfer! Who? The Silver Surfer, the harbinger of Galactus? Everyone's favorite mix of surf culture and cosmic sci-fi? No? We're here to save breakfast! That's right, it is I, MODOK! M-O-D-O-K! Mobile organism designed only for computing. I'm here to save breakfast. Computing starts with a C. Damn it, Modoc! I got this. I told you to wait in our VW bus. That's right. We are here to save breakfast. All right. What do you got? It's Kirby Crackle. A nutrition is part of a balanced breakfast. Fucking cool. Battle the dark side of breakfast with a cereal that's jam-packed with the golden age action of Jack Kirby comics. Frosted Captain America shields and marshmallows. We have crunchy thing rings, fruity Fantastic Four fours, marshmallow machine man, and melee melee Thor's hammer marshmallows. Now you're going to be the harbinger of my breakfast. Wait, crackle spelled with a C or a K? Kirby Crackle does not provide the complete nutritional value of entire planets. I've been spelling my name wrong this whole time, and you guys didn't tell me. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Let's delve into it. I've got nothing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't remember. You don't have any stories about That's that right. show. I can't. Uh, okay. So yeah. What do you want to know? Let's Take us back. It. How did you? How did you get involved with the project? Okay. Fantasy Two Film Effects, Gene Warren Jr.'s company, was hired to do the the effects for the show. I had known Gene for a couple of years. I put a creature shop together for him for Fright Night Two, and then. That was also Tommy Lee Wallace. So when uh, and Tommy was happy with the work we did, both makeup and visual effects. So when it came up a couple of years later, he went back to Fantasy Two, and then Fantasy Two uh, brought me in. So it was that part. That was that was the easy part. And you were brought in as I was the yeah the creature effects designer supervisor. So I was responsible for Pennywise and all the various incarnations of it. Everything from the spider to the you know, the head in the refrigerator, the werewolf, the the Al Marsh zombie, Ben's dad, the skeletal guy in the lake. Pretty much everything but the fortune cookies. Okay. I don't remember why we didn't do those. I think it might have been in part that the physical effects guys in Vancouver wanted something fun to do mm. and that was its own thing and I maybe I felt I had enough on my plate as it was we had four weeks of prep before they started shooting and then we uh, they shot for eight weeks so then we had basically we had 12 weeks to get the spider together that was the last two days of filming so everything else wow you know peppered through the the schedule but the you know with the spider being at the end so every week for 12 weeks I would go up to to Canada 
at least once or twice, either for a production meeting or, or for shooting. So I had to schedule stuff out in terms of like, okay, this has to be done before, you know, the werewolf has to be done before the mummy or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I did Pennywise, the design sculpting. I, I did all the on-set uh, application on the characters, but uh, Pennywise was mine. I had uh, Norma Cabrera doing the werewolf and the Al Marsh uh, makeup. The Canadian effects guys took the life cast of Al Marsh, and unfortunately part of the cast wasn't very good. So that kind of dictated our prosthetic placement. <laughs> it, it, when you look at it, there's like, I think his right side of his face, like the jaw, cheekbone area doesn't have any prosthetics on it because that was the, the life cast was like concave or something there. I'm not sure what the <laughs> hell they did to it. But anyway, uh, so Norman did those. Jim McLaughlin did the um, the head in the fridge and he did the, the skeletal figure. Joey Orozco and Aaron Sims did all my spider stuff. Uh, Aaron sculpted the stop motion puppet for the spider and he and Joey sculpted and painted the big one. I had Sally Ray on board and her and JC Madelon put together the, uh, we had about six bodies that were in the cocoons or the webs, you mm -hmm. know, the spider cave. The mummy, that was a uh, Halloween mask that Jim had made that I was just like, hey, can we use that for the mummy? He's like, sure. Which I don't know why I didn't use. I had a similar thing from Fright Night 2, the burnt regime uh, corpse. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure why I didn't use that. Maybe I just didn't feel like recycling it at the time, which I've used it plenty since then. So yeah, it would have made sense to have just used that. But I think just because Jim had that one and it was like, hey, that's cool. Can we use that? Uh, there was like the hands that came out of the drain. The one that breaks through the gloves with the five fingers, that yep. was like a werewolf hand with some different fingernails on it. And then the when they pulled the glove off and it's the bigger monster hand, that was similar glove, but we just took some of the spider fingers and glued on that. And then uh, I used one of the Al Marsh back of the hand pieces for when I think it's Eddie goes back to the pharmacy to, and he sees the when he's an adult and he mm -hmm. sees the pharmacist and then he's got the, the creepy hand that grabs him so I used that and just painted it differently for that one and then also we did the stop motion Pennywise puppet for when he goes down the drain that was a Dan Platt sculpted that for me at the time he sculpted it we had shot the battery acid scene in Canada but we didn't use the disfigured makeup for whatever I think it was just a time thing and they thought they would, if they wanted to use it, they would do pickups down in L.A., which they did. But so at the time that Dan sculpted the puppet, they were going to go with the normal look. So he sculpted it to look like regular Pennywise. And then literally the day I molded the front half of it, then Gene, I remember Gene coming back going, hey, they're going to use your disfigured makeup. So... Once I got a pull of the puppet, I took a little life cast and then sculpted a mini appliance, <laughs> you know, and to, to put on it, to, you know, to alter it. To make what it look scale like was that about? It was 18 inches tall. So what is that? Quarter scale? Yeah. So yeah. So it was, it was like a little prosthetic mold. It was, I based it, you know, and, and, you know I, I wish I still had it because it was the cutest little thing. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I think that's pretty much everything that we did for, for it. Wow. In the pre-interview, can, can you tell us the, the little tidbit? We did not know this, but the little tidbit about that, that model of the Pennywise clown that falls down the well. Basically, he's supposed to be elongating as he's going down the hole to kind of stretch him small enough to fit you know, down the drain. So there is a, uh, a mechanism, like kind of a little screw uh, mechanism in there that they were turning as they animated it that uh, stretches his skull. Uh, so if you, if you frame, watch it frame by frame, I think you can perceive the, the head elongating. But um, because he's you know, descending in the hole at the same time that he's stretching, you don't really, I don't think it reads as well as, um, as they had hoped it would. But, but he is definitely distorting and, and stretching as oh, he so cool. goes down there. Well, to, to be honest, like I didn't know 
not knowing how they did that, I thought it was a big optical effect, possibly a miniature, possibly stop motion, but because of how surreal that moment is of him tumbling that that I thought it was some sort of, you know, ILM style optical effect. Right. Well, no budget for that. I mean the the actual Flip was a gymnast, the same guy that we had in the street, you know, when the photograph comes to life mm-hmm. and you see him doing cartwheels and stuff. That was a, a gymnast. So they used him for the, like on a springboard, which I've got some footage of that. That'll be on the Pennywise uh, Making of It documentary that's coming out in a year or so. So, I mean, the, the actual where he flies over the, the lens is the, the gymnast, but then the shot where he lands and kind of turns and, mm-hmm. and there's a, a couple of sh- shots that stop motion. Uh, Pete Kleinow, I know, did all the animation for the uh, uh, Spider, and um, he used to be partners at Fantasy Two, and he also did like the Terminator. That's why he did the Terminator animation. Oh, awesome! Um, he did all the, the that Gremlins in the first Gremlins movie, <laughs> where all the, the Gremlins come out. He animated that. He was also um, a musician. He, he wrote the Gumby song. What? And uh, oh, wait, the same guy who did the the animation for Terminator wrote the wrote, Gumby wrote the Gumby song. Soundtrack. He also did some stop motion, the, some of the snow walkers. He was one of the animators on that. But wow. he, and he also, he played, uh, what was it? Uh, he was part of the Flying Burrito Brothers. Uh, it was like a 60s <laughs> band. And, uh, and he was- Did he, uh, he sleep ever? Uh, he, he was he was a busy guy. He's on he's on like John Lennon. He played on John Lennon albums. Like he's on Mind Games. Wow. And, so I mean, just like what a, he's got a hell of a career. You go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in uh, Cleveland and- They've got like one of his jackets. It's got like a dinosaur embroidered on the back of it. And uh, but yeah, there's this little placard that's got like Empire Strikes Back and the Terminator, and it's just like who knew? Wow. And the Gumby thing. So. Wait, and what did he do for Empire Strikes Back? Uh, with the Snowwalkers. Oh, oh, oh the, those the ATAT. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. There was that's uh, so cool because it was him and Doug Beswick and uh, Phil Tippett. So, yeah. You know. Oh, that is so amazing. <laughs> if I ever go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I see that jacket with a dinosaur <laughs> embroidered on the back, I'll be like, guys, guess what? Guess what? <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I made a point of looking for it when I because he was a really nice guy. You know, he was very, very cool, and uh, he. Because he and Gene Warren had been partners, he would just kind of just hang out there sometimes. So even if he wasn't working on stuff, he he might be there. I don't know if he, uh, Chris Warren may have animated, Gene's uh, son may have animated the uh, Pennywise going down the drain. Mm-hmm. But um, but I know Pete did the, um, did the spider. So cool. So when you get on this show, have you read the novel already? Uh, no, my, my brother was a big Stephen King fan. I think I'd read Pet Cemetery and maybe what's the, uh, there was a collection of short, short stories that I'd read. Night Shift. Uh, or yeah, Skeleton Crew. One, which one, whichever one came uh, first. Probably. Yeah, whichever the older. So it had, one of them has kind of a Salem's Lot sequel, I think, a uh, little short. I think sort that's of Night a, Shift. Okay. Jerusalem's Lot. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So I was, uh, I was certainly familiar. I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I liked Carrie and, and Salem's Lot as movies. My, my brother, again, was a big King fan, and he was like, oh, this is, it's, you know, when he's reading it, he's like, it's very cool. It, it can be anything, whatever your deepest fears. Then I remember him getting to the end, he goes, oh, it's just a big spider. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that's um, of the novel, the end of the novel? Yeah. So I, I just, I was just working off the scripts. If there's some conflicts or discrepancies between what's in the book and what's in the reality of the movie, I'm just concerned with the movie. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the the spider was never intended to be his true form. That was sure. just, that was just like, hey, what's, they're adults now, they're on to me, so I, I gotta be something really scary. So that was just him trying to freak him out with something. You know. Right, right. There, there's that one scene where the kids are in the, the sewer and the little the glowing thing 
passes over them, that mm -hmm. was as close to what it really was in the context of the movie sure. as, as we got to showing. But uh, it was never it was never meant to be the spider. Right, right, right. So, again, I, I'm not sure. I know in the book and in an earlier draft of the script, there were like eggs and baby spiders, and, and I'm glad they dropped all that because I thought that was just too literal. Sure. Um, in fact, when, the, uh, when Bev hits him in the head with a rock, in the original script, when the chunk fell away, there was going to be like spider hairs or something like that sticking out of it. But since our spider didn't have hair, and I, I just, again, I just thought that was too literal. So it was my idea to like, you know, the, the whole dead light thing. Why don't we just have light glow oh, you know, yeah. shining out of his head? Yeah. So, you know, so at least, you know, once in a while. You that was just, your idea specifically? Yeah. Oh, so that how was, cool. Yeah. So that was, um, so, you know, <laughs> the sometimes. creator of the, not only did you create the look of Pennywise, but you created deadlights. How cool is that? Well, or, or it emanating from his head. I mean, yeah. it was already a story point, and it was going to be what hypnotizes them at the end. Right, right. But but so it kind of made sense. But that's the first time I think we as the audience see it is when yeah. it comes out of his head. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. Oh, so, yeah. So, and again, it's like, eh, really? I got it. But at least they... Texas comes got to come up with deadlights? Exactly. Well, you know, you get to come up with... Um, that's a... Uh, let me digress for a moment and, uh, <laughs> and pat myself on the back for another one, which I'm sure I don't get credit for either. But when I was working on the, the first Fantastic Four up in Canada, everybody's all excited that uh, Stan Lee's coming up for his cameo. Back then, Kevin Feige was, there was no Marvel studio, so he was just Avi Arad's assistant. Um, but he was also, he was approachable. He was the guy that on the production, the producer that knew comic books. So you could actually go up and you know, I was a comic book fan or Elm, so I could go up and talk comic books with him. So again, everybody's all jazzed that Stan's coming to the set. So I'm saying, hey, Kevin, you know, what's, what's Stan's cameo? And he's like, I don't know. We got to think of something good. And I go, well, he should be Willie Lumpkin. And he's like, that, that's a good idea. And then like a day later, there's new script pages issued with, they've added the Willie Lumpkin character. Because wow. before those lines were the doorman for the Baxter building. So I'm sure he didn't appreciate getting some of his lines cut, but, but you know, so then they, re, you know, they did a rewrite to, to include, you know, Willie for, for Stan. So now I'm oh, wow. sure it's, now I'm sure it's everybody else's idea, but mine, but anyway, I'm, I'm still taking credit for that. That's wow. still awesome though, that you were able to bring not only a pretty obscure character to the Fantastic Four movie, but that a producer knew about that because I feel a lot of times a lot of the people making the movie don't really know the property outside of the script that's, that's a pretty good story well man. well, and certainly at Fox I think that's the case and I think that's part of the problem with a lot of the DC movies is they don't oh, have yeah. yeah. but I think that's what not, not to um, be kissing Kevin Feige's butt he's a very nice guy and uh, you know he's done great but that's what differentiates Marvel Studios from the other things is yeah. they the guy in charge does care he's he is a yeah. fan and he he gives a shit <laughs> you know yeah. whereas uh, the other at the other places they don't so uh, let's cover Deadpool's mouth with a, just a just get rid of it entirely <laughs> yeah it's like what, what what the hell is that uh, do you ever even see it like do you read one page of Deadpool ever yeah do you know well when we were I uh, probably shouldn't tell this nope, but, you but what the hell <laughs> yes you should um, when we were prepping the the second FF movie the Silver Surfer one. They're having a um, a meeting at Fox with a I I don't know for sure. I, I want to say it was Tom Rothman, but I, I can't swear by that. But there was a Fox executive, a Marvel guy, and then a guy from Spectral, and they're kicking around the Surfer. And the Marvel guy goes, "Well, in the comic book, we." And then the Fox guy interrupts him and says, "We don't care what you do in the comic book. We're, we're going to do whatever we you know. We're going to do what we want." And it's like, well, that's why your movies suck. <laughs> because they they didn't care. And at least with the Marvel Studios, 
because their whole existence was riding on whether Iron Man was a hit or not. I mean, you can tell that they do care, and mm, that's yeah. why their movies are making billions of dollars, and that's yeah. why DC's trying to catch up and all that, which, you know, anyway. <laughs> we'll have you on for our DC versus that's Marvel right. cinematic universe. As somebody who appreciates Fantastic Four, I'd love to get into that on another time, too, but that <laughs> that's, was, that's not even... Yeah, we have, that's right. We, we have two, two pages, two pages of, notes of notes, and Fantastic Four isn't on here. <laughs> right, we haven't covered anything. But well, let's get back to it a little bit. Sure, sure. Pennywise. Pennywise is, he's got to be the most iconic scary clown. Like, for our generation, that one clown, in my opinion, was the epicenter of anyone who's afraid of clowns. Yes. <laughs> so good job with that. Thank you. Designing that makeup, Bart brought us a huge binder filled with hundreds of pictures from it. And he we got Rumi and I got to see test makeups and, and designs of Pennywise. Can you talk a little bit about you read the script, you understand what this character is, what he does, what we as the audience should feel when we see him. How do you translate that into the look of the clown? And when I first got the script before they had, you know, an actor you know, I read it, and yeah, you start just kind of processing, you know, what you might want to do. I did research. Well, you had to go to the library back then, but I yeah, checked out books on clowns. Uh, grew up on Bozo and, you know, Ronald McDonald and all that stuff. I did do a few sketches trying to work out some designs uh, before they'd cast anyone. I remember Fantasy 2 mentioning... Uh, I remember going in there when they, you know, were first talking about it. I'm like, oh, who's going to play the clown? And they were like, well, it's either going to be Tim Curry, Roddy McDowell, or Malcolm McDowell. And I was like, well, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, because I remember I'd mentioned that to Tommy, and he's like, oh, I don't remember that. So <laughs> that that may have all been happening before he, because I don't think he was on board at mm -hmm. that point anyway. But anyway, but it was kind of like, well, until we figure out who it's going to be, it's kind of pointless to sit there and try and design stuff. So thankfully, they, they settled on Tim. So, I mean, it's pr particularly a makeup like that is very actor-driven. You know, mm. you, you, gotta, you can design crap all day, but it doesn't mean it's going to fit on the guy's face. So got a headshot of Tim, traced it, and then just did start doing sketches over that. Once I got, uh, I'm sure I was feeding those to Tommy. He was already in Canada at this point. So we were faxing a lot of stuff back and forth. At some point I did, after we did Tim's head cast, I did three clay sketches on varying degrees of density or amount of prosthetics. The the one we ended up using was the least. It was, you know, like they all had the bulbous head. One of them pretty much covered his whole face. It was almost like kind of like a hobo clown. He had like kind of a sculpted frown. And then there was one that was probably similar coverage to the Robocop where it kind of changed his jawline and, and cheekbones and stuff. And then uh, the one that we ended up with, which was somewhat modeled after the Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera, where it was like the, the head and then the upturned nose, and then it had cheekbones and a chin. I, I did the clay sketches, I painted them up, I, and the paint schemes weren't really what they were so much meant to be, but just, you know, like a suggestion, just so it wasn't a white face. Mm. I took photos of those, sent those to Tommy. He picked the one that we ended up going with. So then I re-sculpted that as a, and broke it down as a makeup. And again, it was a, a cranium piece, the nose, cheekbones, and a chin. So we took that up to Canada and tested it on Tim. I wanted the clown to be very, almost like a live action cartoon. So I wanted like all the colors to be very stark and bright and like the reds to be like just a primary red or the mm -hmm. blue to be just a pure blue. I didn't want like muddy colors and sh shadows and shading and stuff like that. I just wanted like a pure, so it was like a white uh, Pax paint for the base and uh, that was used both for the, to give it an opaque color, but also I knew when we were doing the test that I could glue the cheek and chin pieces over it. They weren't sure if they wanted to use the cheek and chin, so we the first test 
was just the cranium and the nose. And uh, Tim Curry had some thoughts on the the paint scheme at that point. So uh, we did his like paint design. So we photographed that. Then we took him back in, and then I very hurriedly glued the cheeks and the chin and did a rough approximation of what I wanted my paint to be, which I'm not sure why I didn't do the complete thing because it was a little more involved than what I did. But they, they photographed that. And it was just decided that the cheeks and chin weren't needed, mm-hmm. which at the time I was a little disappointed, but I agree. I don't think you miss them being on there. We did one more test where we refined the the patterns on the face to what they, they are in the film. And then that pretty much was it. The The wig was always what it was. Jack Brickard tied me, uh, did three wigs for me. I think those were probably a little over a thousand bucks a piece. They might have been 1500 bucks a piece. I remember after we wrapped uh, in Living Color contacted me, they wanted to buy them for Homie the Clown. Oh, that would have been <laughs> but, so cool. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to give them up. So no, I, Homie, so, don't play that game. Exactly. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wasn't playing it either. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I hung on to the to the wigs. So that seems like a a relatively very uh, methodical process. Like the the design, they picked it, and then a couple refinements, they picked it. I bet it was months and months of back and forth between the studio, the director, to create the new look. It seems, sounds like it went pretty fast, though. For you, for for me, yeah, it had to. I mean, we um, again, I had four weeks of prep before they started shooting and I'm pretty sure it seems like Tim worked at least one day every week of the eight weeks of filming so yeah we had to lock Pennywise in early when you when you watch the uh, the video and they got the director's commentary and I remember Tommy talking about like oh my art director and blah 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 and that's like oh I don't recall getting any input from anybody but you so maybe they were giving him feedback on what i was mm-hmm. sending him it wasn't like hey i want a light bulb head with an upturned nose it's just kind of like eh, show me some stuff i'm like oh, all right so again i have got a i was looking at my drawings my original sketches i've got about five or six variations that i had done and and then again from those i did the clay sketches on three of them i mean we were focused or at least i was during that first time those first couple of weeks on just yeah getting that locked in yeah so there was a lot of back and forth with with tommy but um i I guess you know it's just fortunate that it um it, it did happen as quickly as it did well i guess that's the difference between tv and movies too and this yeah. ultimately is a TV show that you know just ran long. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, I mean, it was a two-part miniseries, which that's um, that's kind of one of my bitches about uh, like digital effects these days. Is that before, like especially like like with a Harryhausen movie, mm-hmm. you had to design the sequence and you had to stick with your plan, you know, because you shot the background plates a year before you did the animation, and mm-hmm. you couldn't sit there and and wing it. And then now. With the digital stuff, it just seems like it just puts off them having to make a decision. Oh. Right. Because they go, oh, well, we can deal with that in post. So it's just stuff just gets pushed down the road, and then they just throw a bunch of money at it. It in shows. Post-production. It totally shows. I think there's something to be said for like planning ahead really has, you know, w- when you plan ahead, it really shows in a movie because there's you know, thought put into something, and when you're figuring it out later, you're backed into a corner already, and it's it's tough to make that that really pay off. Yeah, yeah, we've all seen stuff where it kind of looks like, hey, what the hell is, <laughs> you yeah. know? And then, yeah, other shows where, again, like you said, there has been more pre-production and more thought and stuff. So, And then also now they just turn these things out so quick, which is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe, even like these Marvel movies, some of those will 
put out in less than a year. You yeah. Know? And it's like, wow, that's a lot of a lot of work. And I mean, I, I think they look great. I, I'm not saying that they look like they're rushed or anything, but I just can't believe that they they can from start to finish or maybe it's 15 months or something and before like star wars it was every three years you get one of those and that's right because and they were working on them for three years it just took yeah. that long to do it so is there anything in the it miniseries that you worked on or prepped or planned or filmed that didn't end up on screen there's two the battery acid almost wasn't on screen again when we shot that in canada that sequence there i guess there wasn't time for the makeup changeover so they just shot it all with the normal look and uh, they were prepared to go that route in the final cut and just not have him disfigured he would have just pulled his hands away and it would have been gooey and you know whatever but tim i had taken the prosthetics up there and anticipating of using them and tim had seen them and was very complimentary and flattering of said said good things about them so he he agreed to wear them if we could shoot that scene his in a day so it was just through his grace, because he was like, oh, you know, Bart did such a beautiful job on these, it'd you know, be a shame not to use them, but got to shoot it all out in one day. So uh, I'm eternally grateful to him for that, because otherwise they just wouldn't have used it. And then, like, as you can see, I'm wearing a T-shirt with that makeup on it. Yeah. I've seen this in a lot of places, too. So I, uh, it came, like, super close. That's why, again, the stop-motion puppet was sculpted with the normal face and not the disfigured face, because we didn't think we were going to do that. But just backing up from that, on my original breakdown and notes and whatnot on the show, which this is, you don't always uh, see eye to eye with the director, I wanted to have two looks for Pennywise. When he, when the kids saw him, or when he's presenting himself to a child, I wanted him to look like, almost like a live action cartoon, a very stylized, friendly looking, innocent looking clown, and let Tim with his performance, and then maybe with the augmentation of some corpse teeth or pointy teeth for him to go creepy. But when we came back, with the adults, I didn't think there was any reason. Now they know he's not a clown. They know what he is. So I didn't think there was any reason for him to still look like a friendly clown. So for that, I wanted him to be like a, a horrific caricature of the clown. So my my original paint scheme was, was skullish. Uh, it wasn't like, I don't think it was overtly a skull, but like it had like big blue eyes, you know, makeup around the eyes that would translate into eye sockets and just the pattern on the mouth would have ended up being kind of like a, a skull mouth. And so I, I wanted a distinctive second look that was like a, this horrific clown. And the battery acid is kind of part of that, but it would have been more extreme. I remember pitching it to Tommy and he's like, well, you know, what if we want to film, what if there's a day on the schedule where he's got to be in both looks? And I'm like, well, I'm looking at the one-liner and uh, <laughs> there's not. So, um, but it's just, again, he just didn't didn't see it that way. Yeah. So that was probably conceptually the one thing that I wanted to do that that we didn't get to do. Recently helped uh, Chris Nelson do a, they did a virtual reality promo for the new It that was like at Comic-Con and stuff like that. And I helped Chris Nelson apply the Pennywise makeup onto Skarsgård for that. And the uh, director was there directing it. And so he was all excited because, oh, you know, which one of you worked on, you know, the original It? So then I was talking to him about it and I mentioned that I wanted to do that and that we didn't get to do it and he's like oh that's a good idea he's like there, there, there is no reason that he needs to look exactly the same when the adults seem so if they do that in the next one you know they got it from me yeah, yeah that's pretty you heard cool. it here now guys exactly <laughs> then I'll, and also I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one out too in case they uh, in case they do this too this, you'll know this is my idea as well I was thinking when the adults and I didn't think of this back in 1990, but I, it did occur to me since then that when the adults 
saw Pennywise, if it was almost kind of like the thing where like the guy who had seen Pennywise as a werewolf when he was a kid, when he saw him as an adult, it would be, there would be still hints of the werewolf, at least initially. Mm -hmm. So it'd be kind of like uh, changing. So if you saw him as the leper, when you first encountered him as an adult, he would have some of that left over, but then it would kind of transition into just whatever the normal, so that he would be kind of this ever-changing thing. Mm -hmm. So Again, the um, the director kind of sounded like he kind of liked that too. So if those two things show up in it part two, you oh, know, man. you'll know where they it's where a they lot came of real. From. Those are really good visual design images that 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 kind of bring themes together, which I kind of feel like is an art that they don't do as much anymore. It's just either super heavy handed or just not there. I feel like the new it was a good example of that, in my opinion. But like what you're saying is really, really cinematically, visually, it's a really interesting way to kind of weave those, especially in this specific story, because it's two stories, you know, that, that when they're kids and when they're adults, to kind of bridge that too, that, that was it's kind of an interesting visual. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I wish I had thought of that back then, although I don't think we would have had time, or, or I don't know that Tommy would have bit on it, you yeah. know, in terms of like, oh, here's a werewolf, Pennywise, and here's a Al Marsh corpse, Pennywise, you know. But yeah, it, since it is just the nature of the character that it can be it's just ever changing and be can be anything I, I even was thinking at one point for the remake and this is probably some people might think this would be sacrilege but I almost thought it would be interesting to do like if Pennywise was a, a like a digital thing because he is an illusion that that would make sense that if if it was like a digitally rendered at least that would make sense story-wise that why he didn't look completely real sure because yeah. he's not it's it's this illusion so but but then that's i mean i'd obviously i'd rather take a makeup approach and just go that way so and, and i for the most part i like I, I mean, I'm, I'm all always be partial to my to what Tim Curry did and what we did together. But I, I thought they did a good. Uh, it was a good effort in this new one. I do remember when uh, the first image of the new Pennywise came out. I did Jermaine Clement in Men in Black Three. I did his makeup, so mm -hmm. we we kind of keep in touch and he emails. You know, we email each other once in a while. But I just out of the blue, I got this email from him. He's like, "Oh, did you see the new Pennywise?" He goes, "They just copied yours." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know if that just, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but but thank you." He's like, "You know, I like yours better." I go, "Well, thanks, me too." <laughs> You know, but anyway, so um, but so yeah, that would be um, again the one thing almost didn't make it in there: the battery acid, and then mm. the the whole the kid version, and then the adult version. That would be this kind of mocking, horrific caricature of what they used to think. It basically, he'd be like, "Oh, you used to think I was a clown, you idiots." Anyway, but again, that was Tommy. I like that. Those those are cool ideas. Well, yeah, no, they work. I like that. Well, when I do, in, in 27 years when they remake it again. <laughs> well, let, you want to jump into the remake now that we're yeah. we're kind of flirting with it, right? <laughs> so, Bart, you told me that you liked it. Can you give it like an overall like letter grade? A, A minus, B, B? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> no. I don't know. I, it, I thought it all worked pretty well. I mean, there's, I, I'm very, you know, happy with the one that I worked on. I don't want to say it suffers, but it, I mean, it, the mine is certainly a product of 1990. 90s, mm. you know, it was made for television and not like Netflix or something. It was, you know, network. So I had like 1990s censorship and those limitations to work with. I'm, I'm a little envious that they, by the time they do part two, they're going to have done a four and a half hour movie where I only had three hours and 10 minutes or whatever, mm. you know, our, my version to cover the same material. So they've got like another hour and a half. Plus they, they're not restricted by 1990s television censorship so i mean i was very happy that it was like a hard r you're getting kids 
a little eight-year-old kid getting his arm bit off, which mm-hmm. I, I mean, that was great. And the little kids cussing and stuff. So I thought it was very true to, and again, that was stuff that we couldn't we couldn't do. Overall, yeah, I thought it, I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, I think Tim Curry's a tough act to follow, so I don't envy big time. Yeah, but I but at least he, I don't think he was just totally ripping off what Tim did. He was True. definitely trying to give it his own thing. And I think he was very successful with that. I think the only bit that I really didn't like about it was the um, the little musical montage when they're cleaning the blood in the bathroom. Yeah. Which maybe that right. was supposed to be, hey, every 80s movie had a, a montage. So maybe that was the point of that. But that, that for me, just uh, I was like, oh, yikes, this isn't working. But uh, <laughs> But otherwise, I mean, I thought it was similar enough, but it was still different than sure. going into the house instead of down in the sewer. And so it, so it didn't feel like you were necessarily watching the same thing. And, right, right. And at least it's different. I, I'm not necessarily opposed to a remake, and especially like this when it's two different mediums, one being TV and the other being a movie. But when you do something like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake where it's almost like shot for shot and, right. yeah. and not done as well, then it's just like, well, what the hell's the point? When you have like a book and they've done a movie version that's just so radically different, I don't necessarily mind them remaking it. Personally, I'd like to kind of see them remake Pet Cemetery, which I think they're flirting with. Yeah. yeah. Even though Stephen King wrote the script, I think he blew it. I, For I've the original some, one, you mean? Yeah. The, uh, my main, uh, I mean, I love the book when it came out and I was like, oh, the, yeah. it read like, oh, this will this will make a good movie. But like the, for me, the, the was it Pascal, the ghost yeah. guy? Um, in the book, he only shows up the one time when he tells the guy not to, not Don't to go do to the, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's like, is he telling him not is he sincere like don't do it or is he like baiting him like you know? sure yeah, yeah so so you're not sure but in this one in the movie it's like he's casper the friendly ghost where he's he's showing up on the airplane and he's helping her buy her ticket and he's <laughs> right, in the truck right. and it's just like well what the hell is this well, they know? had seen american werewolf in london well, and they right. just kept wanting ghost friends to pop up everywhere yeah but again not done as well no. and and also the um the ending of the book is you don't know if it. She comes in and just says "darling" or whatever to him, but right. you don't know if it's if it worked. Right. If she came back, yeah, alive but regular or corrupted. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in the movie, you got that her dripping goo and she's missing an eye or whatever, and it just isn't. So anyway, I just thought they screwed that up. So <laughs> it's Pascal character. It's funny you said that. I told you earlier that I read Stephen King a lot as a kid. Seventh grade, I did a makeup test for. We had to come to English class as as a character from a book that we'd read for a report. And I did a diorama of the main character climbing over the deadfall of trees to get to the, it was like a little Lego guy climbing over a deadfall of trees that I made. And you had to give a presentation as a character from the book. And I was look, I was really wanted to do Pascal Pascal. And I I just took a kitchen sponge and cut it because it's, it, did the book described in detail how his brain was exposed? Right. I tried so hard to make that work. I couldn't get it to work. Yeah. I mean, I think the the makeups and stuff in the original Pet Cemetery, I think, are great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lance Anderson, uh, you know, and uh, Dave Anderson was on that, and John Blake, and uh, I think they did a great job. And Fantasy Two was doing the um, the visual effects. In fact, there, there's that one when he's going to bury the kid, and there's some apparition that appears behind him. That's yep. I, I built that for Fantasy Two, which oh, awesome. which in in the book it's this Wendigo demon, right. which I was like, yay, a demon! This could be so cool. It's like, oh no, we want Fred Gwynn's head. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, that's that's not cool. <laughs> So, I mean, again, there's just a lot of odd decisions with that that I think could be corrected. Sure. Um, I mean, because yeah. the way they, there's a cool description in the book when the guy sees the Wendigo where he's, you're like looking at the forest and he like looks up 
past the trees and it's just black, you know, mm-hmm. like, and you think it's the sky and then you notice that there's stars like on the peripheral of it that's outlining this big figure. So mm-hmm. it's like this huge Lovecraft giant that's standing there blocking out the night sky. And when you read, that just reads like a scene from a movie and then right. they, for them not to do that, it's like, what, what the hell were you thinking? You right. Yeah. So it's, again, that's like I worked on Pet Cemetery 1 and 2. I, I thought the cast in part 2 was better, like Clancy Brown and those guys, yeah. except for Fred Gwynn, obviously. I mean, he was great in the first one. So if they could have had Fred Gwynn in the second one, sure. or, or the cast from the second one in the first. But anyway, I, I just think there was a, that was a missed opportunity. So Have that, them just telling kids what roads not to go down? Don't go down that road. There you go. Oh, yeah, no, he was. That was, I remember Clancy Brown complaining on the second one that before they started shooting, he's like talking to everybody. So we're all doing... Uh, like main accents, right? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we're all going to do the accent. So they shot his stuff first, so he establishes the accent, and then nobody else does one, and he's like, what the hell, you know? So, so he was a little pissed off about that. But um. That's funny. So as far as the new, the new It, the feature film, is there anything in that, big or small, that you thought added to it that the miniseries didn't have, whether it was a scene or a character or a note that they hit that, that was not in the miniseries, or anything that you thought was good, that, that specifically was good in the new one that wasn't in the, the original one? I mean, again, I did like it. Of the miniseries, I think the first night with the kids is the, the more successful of the two halves, mm-hmm. and which is what this is basically a remake of. But again, I think just them having more time, that was, what, a two-hour and 15-minute movie as opposed to 90 minutes that we had. Right. So, I mean, it's just nice to have that extra time. I think I did kind of miss, you know, like I liked having the werewolf and the mummy mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff. And what have you, mainly you've got, what, the leper and that one thing that looks a little too much like the mama. Yep. But and and then what you got the hands coming out of the butcher shop or whatever. Yeah. Is that the only Georgie. Yeah, well Georgie, I mean I loved what they did with Georgie. Pretty sure our Georgie gets his arm pulled off because I think when they see him in the uh in the sewer, I think he if you look he's missing an arm. Mm-hmm. But but because he has a sleeve on his coat and it's kind of an oversized coat. It's not really that right. obvious. There's that scene in the basement in the the new it where Pennywise, you know, they're only in like ankle deep water, but right. Pennywise comes up out of it. So, I mean, that gives it a very supernatural, other dimensional kind of thing that we didn't have anything really like that in Ayers. I, I like that finally. I mean, in the one I worked on, they keep saying they all float. And so I... We finally got to I agree with see that. somebody like, float. That yeah. made sense. And Al- so. Although, I mean, I guess we do have the one kid does float. I forget which bully it is, but when they're down in the in the sewer and the one kid gets drawn up into the uh, the pipe. Belch. And, and, okay. I, I liked his death better in ours than... When he gets folded in half and yeah. pulled in the pipe. Yeah, it was an amaze. That was such yeah, a simple, a cool simple yeah. gag, but it works so well. It looks so cool. Yeah, and well, that was, that was my idea too. Um, <laughs> there and, you go. We didn't build that, but I was just in discussing it I uh, I don't know if it was at a production meeting or whatever but I was just saying like well you guys ought to have a dummy legs he can be I think maybe I might have suggested that they folded him over the other way so he would have been you know backwards which would have right, right. been even more painful but but even the way he is folded it's like mm-hmm. you can't really do that so so yeah I mean that's and again that's just where you just kind of like throw out suggestions but sometimes some departments are like hey well thanks for the extra work you right know? yeah exactly but, you know sometimes <laughs> but uh, sometimes it's it's appreciated and, and that was that was one of them i think that we did better like i think definitely the georgie stuff just the fact that you could actually him getting his arm bit off because he in anything everybody's such wimps these days about oh violence in general and oh you can't you know kids and blah blah so a kid that young that 
being brutally murdered like that. It was just a, sure, a yeah. refreshing, a very 70s, you know, <laughs> yeah, a refreshing right, right, change. Right. Anything is game. Yeah, no, I, I really did appreciate that they <laughs> ripped a kid's mm-hmm. arm off. Yeah, well, and when you, you open that, your movie with that, then you're just like, Christ. Well, yeah, what, what are you yeah. going to do next? Yeah. Yeah, and like the visual, I think, when you see that big mound of whatever with all the kids floating around it. I thought that was really cool. It's mm-hmm. effective. I thought it was kind of weird. It looked like there was like a sewer grate or something up above it. There yeah. was like a light source and it's right. like, well, what's what? So people just walking by, just <laughs> yeah. look in and go, oh, what's hey, floating kids, you know. <laughs> but so I, I expected his lair to be deeper. I think in the one that we did, the spider cave was like deeper underground. Yeah, that, I guess felt. that makes sense. Again, yeah. visually, the darkness and the dankness in yours, we know that they're in the sewer. Whereas in the new one, you're right, that light source, seeing that light source up there, whatever that might be, it shows that they're not that far away. And even yeah. if they are, you could see the light. So you're... Yeah, there. yeah. But, you know, it was a cool shot. I, they probably could have cheated it. just had, like, glowing rocks or something. But uh, yeah. I mean, I'm hesitant to give it a letter grade just because I haven't really thought about it. But I, I, I thought overall they're, you know, successful with so, it. So, yeah, it, it succeeded. It yeah. Worked. I mean, I look forward to seeing the next one. I'm particularly curious to see what they do with the spider because I've gotten, that's the one sure. thing that got so much shit on mine. I, I Even Stephen King was saying crap about it, which is like, hey, you wrote the damn thing. <laughs> it's not my idea. Yeah. Um, and at least, because I, I, I've actually like read blogs and stuff lately where people are like actually complaining that it wasn't a spider enough. Like it wasn't just like a big tarantula. Like I guess there was a Harry Potter movie that had a big spider. And they were like, oh, it should have been like that. And it's like, what, really? You just want it to be just a spider. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be spider-like, but not, again, it wasn't supposed to be a spider. It was right. this, he's trying to psych him out with, it's a demon, know. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He can be whatever <laughs> kind of spider he wants, damn it. Sure. Yeah. You go ahead, Pennywise, you be the spider you want to be. Oh, and that was, uh, well, this should be a Pennywise spider <laughs> meme. <laughs> Well, we did. What were we doing? The, 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 I remember when we were filming, which is there's a picture in that notebook somewhere where we've got the the clay sculpture of the spider, and we've already cut the head off for molding, so it's it's just the body with Brent Baker's head, you know, because he played this inside the spider, so it's his head sticking out. So we put the clown wig in the nose. <laughs> <I> saw that because <laughs> yeah, people were kind of like, well, you know, are they going to be able to tell that it's <laughs> that it's still that it's the same creature? And and again, it's like okay, we've been through three hours of him turning into a werewolf and a no, what other spiders down in the sewer? Well, yeah, <laughs> but it's like, but why, why is it suddenly confusing? I remember somebody was, when they find the doorway to go into the spider's lair, somebody, I don't want to say it was Tommy, but somebody was like, well, maybe we should have his clown suit like hanging on a peg, like he's taking it off. And I was just like, really? <laughs> it's like, it's like, why don't we have his shoes sitting outside the door? Like, he, you know, put them out for the valet service. Anyway, it was just some some weird reactions to the spider so in the book it fights a turtle in outer space right so, so yeah. it's like so it's like come on shut up and put up it's like let's see your spider let's see and they're, they're teasing the turtle so i i yeah. assume he's going to show up at some point oh, man. we showed up at, well in the book he was he talked to the kids yeah so we haven't seen that yet i right. think the fact that they broke in the, in the new movie they broke now the story into two pieces or um, we're guessing the child side the child story and the adult story I think the narrative of the children one is a little bit, it's a little bit more interesting. I think the marriage in the book, as well as in your version, where you bounce back and forth, is kind of important to the flow of the overall story. Right. And I think thematically it makes sense and everything. So I think having broken that now into two different chapters that are bridged by a time where there's, you're not watching the movie, I think that's going to make a difference, I think. 
but maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. I know, Rumi, you've said that when you watch the original, the children part is your favorite part, and the other yeah. part you could take or leave. The I adults. could take or leave it, but that's more just because the adult actors don't do it for me. I mean, they, they do a fine job, but it's just not as, as entertaining mm-hmm. as you know the kids in peril. Kids in peril is scary, no matter what, any way you cut it. Right, right. And, to see what they do with this sequel, how are they going to make adults interesting? I'm I'm game to see what they do, but yeah, I think it's it's a hard sell when you have a child killing clown being faced by something other than children. Sure, yeah, exactly. How, how do how do you make that scary and interesting? Is, mm. is always a trick. Yeah, well, and also just more happens in the first night on yeah. the the miniseries, and in the, I mean the second half, it's just. They all come to town, they have dinner, and then they go in the sewer and fight a spider. Fight a spider. It's just like, doesn't seem like that much really happens. So so I am curious to see what they, and they have said they are going to do flashbacks in the part two, so they will have the kids back to at least bridge that. Because, yeah, I think if they didn't, and it was just suddenly this entirely new cast, and right, Pennywise right. was the only common link, it, 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 I think it would be weird. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do with it. It's interesting because you said they kept trying to be like, well, how do we let people know that it's Pennywise? This movie kept trying to, the the, re, the most recent one kept trying to remind us, hey, remember that kid who got his arm ripped off? Remember that? And they're like everywhere. They had to plaster his name in, Georgie, in, the, yeah, in the coat, in his shoe, in the boat. And it's like, it's like as audience members, like, we didn't forget. Right, <laughs> right. When they, I, I had a big problem with the fact that Bill picks up that yellow jacket out of that big mound of stuff at the end. Oh, yeah. I thought that was an interesting symbol and it was necessary and everything and he picks it up and then he turns it over and there's a label inside that says Georgie and you're like, <laughs> I know. Right. I've right. been here for two two hours two plus. Hours. Yeah, they should I know who that is. A second tag, your brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the yeah. picture of them together falls I out. I was like, right. really? Like I know. Like even then, earlier in the movie, they find that girl's shoe and it has her name in it. And yeah. it's like if if Bill just picked it up and said it's that girl's shoe, I would have trusted him. You know, I didn't need the visual like it's her shoe. Right, right. You were asking earlier about stuff that or that I liked better than this one. I did like the uh, like Georgie in the basement, and then like Pennywise manipulating mm-hmm. him like a a puppet. You know, sure, yeah, yeah. Cat throwing him aside and. All that was kind of cool. Some of the the Pennywise like racing in the camera. That I can't. Yeah. So you all have heard this before. I can't stand that. That, that, yeah. that some of that didn't work as well as I think they were hoping it would. But mm-hmm. I, I did like. There's that one shot where I know they they call him Pennywise the dancing clown. And when he initially starts dancing, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't really working. But then when they have that POV where they've locked off his head right. and then they've let the background swing mm-hmm. around. I mm-hmm. thought that was very effective, just like a disorientating. Yeah, yeah. And was a cool effect, but... If they had done it once, it would have been awesome, but they did it so many times. Of like when he's in front of the it. house and he's taunting Eddie, when Eddie's first, Eddie sees the leper and he's just about out of the leper's grasp, and I, I believe, and it's Pennywise and he's got all the balloons and they're in the, like an upside-down py- right. pyramid. When they go up... It's the same type of thing where you think he's all locked off, but the house behind him is like jiggling and moving. I was like, what is it? I don't understand what you're trying to show me. Right, right. Uh, it would be creepy if it was just the clown menacing the kid. Like, to me, that would be creepy. But now, now as the audience member, I can't suspend my disbelief enough to be like, why is the house wiggling? Yeah. Well, I think some of that's just, I guess, the different styles and mm-hmm. filmmaking and stuff now. So, But, uh, you know, I, for the most part, I thought it was effective. I mean, a couple of times. And again, like in the initial trailer when I saw him, like with all the blurry, it's like, okay. I don't yeah. Know. I think overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. So I, I'm, you know, looking forward. I almost actually, uh, here's some more trivia for you. I can never remember who was the director that was going to do it that 
pulled out. Uh, oh, the guy who did Harry uh, Fukin. Yeah, him. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll edit that in later. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He, he did True Detective. Right. A couple of years ago, it was at the same time I was doing Ring Three. I worked on that for three weeks, and I worked on Captain America: Civil War for three weeks. And during that time, that version was about to start, and Christian Tinsley was going to be doing the makeup effects, and he was talking to me about doing set work, you know, doing Pennywise. So I was supposed to go from Atlanta on Captain America up to New York, where they were going to shoot it and start doing tests. And then I guess Warner Brothers slashed the budget. I think they cut it by about like 20%, and that's when it became a New Line movie instead of a Warner Brothers movie. And then that's when that director pulled out, because I guess he didn't think he could do you know his script on, on that budget. So anyway, the whole thing fell apart like a week before I was supposed to go. So I came, oh. I came close to working on it when it was that earlier incarnation. But I remember like reading about it online. It's like, oh, you know, it's been canceled. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then, I, then Christian, either he called, or I texted him like, "What's this about?" And he's like, "Yeah, I just I just heard." So I came close to to doing it, and then uh, when we were doing that VR promotional thing, the director's like, "Oh, we'll we'll have to get you on the second one." And I'm like, "Well, you know how to find me." Yeah. It's like, "Yes, you'll have to." In fact, I was working with some of the makeup artists. Up, I was in Toronto on the Star Trek Discovery, and some of the guys that did that were on the crew with us. And they were like, yeah, we were thinking of calling you to see if you'd want to come up and work on it. But because it was shot in Canada, they wouldn't let them bring Americans up. Uh, so, yeah. so I was like, yeah. So there's a couple of times where I almost worked on the new one, uh, which I would have been happy to. Yeah, that would have been a fun, kind of a full circle thing. Yeah. So speaking of other things that came full circle, you, you worked on Nightmare on Elm Street 2. You also worked on Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Can I ask real quick, did you have anything to do with that bug death in Nightmare on Elm Street 4? No. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. The way you asked that. Well, I just, because like if it, if, it, if it was yes, then, then was we have that, a story. Was that the cockroach, yeah, uh, the cockroach. thing? Yeah. No, I think that was all Screaming Mad George. I was over at uh, Steve Johnson's and mainly just doing lab work, like seeming stuff. There's a, uh, he, he did the, at the end when all the bodies are, the faces are like stretching out of Freddy and oh, all the yeah. arms and, and so uh, like I helped puppeteer that and I just did fabrication and, and whatnot on that so it was just kind of general shop monkey oh, but you know, type stuff sick scene though and then you got to be a part of the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street where for, for better or worse I mean the, the makeup <laughs> well definitely <laughs> but to, to be fair the makeup I think is a really good attempt like if you're going mm. to recreate such an iconic character hey I, I'm impressed with being able to be that successful with a recreation I wish sure. it had stayed like a concept idea and they didn't make a movie with that but <laughs> but they did and, and I think it's pretty cool so in the new Nightmare on Elm Street what was your part in that? Well let's see uh, Andrew Clement uh, designed the makeup and I uh, assisted him on set with the application of it and the, the other makeup effects and, and I do agree I, I thought he did a, a great job in redesigning an iconic character and making it something new and interesting and I, I love what I mean the, the original Freddy I thought was cool and I thought Kevin Yeager improved upon it uh, nicely in his run on it the the last one the new nightmare one I'm not too fond of but I like that and no no disrespect to the old Freddy but I mean the Andrews actually looked like a burn victim sure. yeah. which which I thought was a nice departure from what they had done and uh, and it looked very disturbingly realistic or at least the the makeup that we originally did did and then the digital guys just screwed it up yeah when we were doing the 
principal photography and you know all the makeup tests and whatnot and then the shooting Andrew had designed the makeup to have a certain originally it was going to be missing the nose like kind of like the red skull and it was going to have a hole in the left cheek like sunken in deeper than you could physically do on a person I don't know that you're actually going to see, you might have been able to see the teeth in there I don't remember but uh, when the digital guys did the first test they they did that and then they did other crap to it and then I remember the producer at the time going like no 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 this is the design just do what we asked you to do you know we don't want you to take it further during principal photography that was what we were doing when we got into doing reshoots that producer was gone and I don't know who was in charge but they were just letting the digital guys do whatever the hell they wanted so suddenly they were just putting holes all over his face and seldom in the same spot I think if you look from shot to shot or sequence to sequence they're not in the same place both ears originally were melted off of his head and for some reason they thought oh he should have an ear so we had Andrew had to start tweaking his makeup to reflect these arbitrary changes that they had done because oh we don't have to do this digitally in every shot it's going to cost too much money so suddenly we had to like not cover one of his ears which thankfully the makeup broke down in such a way that we could do that but it was just all these like bullshit changes that that meant nothing it didn't make it any better it was a real shame because i mean i thought it was a really cool nice looking makeup i mean it was something that we were both i think very proud of when we took him on set and then just what they did with it afterwards was just a shame so as a movie i i don't think it's very good i think they make the mistake of recreating iconic scenes like particularly like him stretching out of the wall Mm -hmm. which was done so simply in the original it's just a big piece of dental dam big piece of latex that the guy's just stretching which looks great in the new one it's all this cgi crap that um, yep. it just looks awful the director i remember all during prep i remember there was uh, one time on we're on set asking the first ad about a scene coming up and he says well if the director had been prepping the movie during prep like he was supposed to instead of playing video games all day I, I would have that answer but I don't wow so and and it shows it's like this was like a music video commercial director this was right. like his big shot at directing a, his first feature and you would think he would have been prepared and taken it seriously but they were lucky that they had like Rooney Mara was in it and I thought she did a good job and she did. I, I thought Jackie was great I think he's probably the best choice the best you could hope for again like he he did a great job yeah. on such big shoes to fill. Yeah. It, uh, and what, one thing I did like, which was maybe probably just a happy coincidence because Jackie's not a very tall guy, but when you had Freddie with the children when they were real young, he's like, this imposing figure that towers over them. But now that the kids are grown up and they're teenagers or young adults, mm-hmm. and suddenly they're bigger, as big or bigger than him, which I thought that was kind of a nice juxtaposition that this thing that they used to be afraid of, he's not so imposing anymore. Mm. But yeah, but just as, yeah, as an actor, they were very lucky to get him. So yeah, I thought he did a great job. The cast and stuff, I thought Andrew Clement did a great job with the makeup. It's just a very unnecessary remake. Sure. And um, Somebody mentioned this happens so often. It's even happened with this, this new it. I mean, these directors have done like one movie or a couple of music videos and suddenly they're directing this massive franchise piece why do you think Hollywood has taken that trend like of, of just just throwing these big movies at, at relatively unexperienced people well at least I think with it I mean mama I didn't see it but I heard good things about it it's great uh, yeah so I mean at least the guy had proven himself and I mean and what was budget on it like 35 million or something so I mean it wasn't like it was a huge risk I don't think Warner Brothers really had a 
it's hard to say that they how much faith they had in it because the they hadn't started the sequel. You know, I think at one point they were going to start production on part two like last summer, but then they were like, well, let's see how this does. Mm. I mean, obviously somebody was a little skittish about it when they cut the budget on it, um, yeah. which delayed production by a couple of years, which was actually fortuitous because then it came out 27 years later, you know, from, right. from the original. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even um, speaking of Jackie, when we did uh, the Elm Street remake, that was like 2008 or 2009, and they were threatening to do an It remake then. Mm. And I remember mentioning it to Jackie. I was like, hey, you'd be a good Pennywise. And he's like, what's Pennywise? I go, well, he's this clown that kills kids. He's like, no, no, because I'm not, I'm not playing another child killer. I'm, I'm, I'm getting typecast, you know. Um, you can so, only kill so many kids. Exactly. But like, like I thought he would have been a good, a good choice. That's, I think, when the, um, the version that I almost worked on, I think Michael Shannon was being kicked around as well, being Pennywise. Cool. Which I mean, I I love him as an actor. I worked with him on Iceman. He's a cool guy, yeah. and, and I, I you know I forgot there's something he's got. Oh, that um, what's that Thomas Edison movie that's coming out that he's in that he plays Westinghouse. But uh, so, I mean, he, he's great. But I thought he would have been all wrong for Pennywise because he just he just looks mean. He, he's he's imposing, you yeah. know. And, well, and he's 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 not a tiny guy. Either. And I mean, in Skarsgård, it's like six something. That that was what was good about Tim Curry was that. At first glance, he's not threatening, and yeah. it's just in his performance that comes out. And, yeah. and again, like somebody like Shannon, I think would have been too much just right off the bat. He was so good in Iceman. I mean, he played that. Like I, I've seen the original interviews that they had on HBO, the Iceman interviews, and like watching it, you're like, man, Michael Shannon would kill that, mm. and, and he sure did. Right. That's just that. It's just so haunting. He's so creepy in that movie. Yeah, it's so good. There's that. Uh, I guess a couple of shots at the end or I don't remember maybe at the beginning and they flash back but when he's older and he's got like a receding hairline I, I helped Todd Tucker apply that from uh, Illusion Industries and there's a cutthroat in there so uh, we only worked I only worked on it for a couple of days but yeah I thought it was a, a pretty good film and yeah he was certainly because I was familiar with him I guess he had Man of Steel I think had already been out by that point yeah so yeah I was like ooh it's this guy you know so that was cool <laughs> ooh this guy so I guess Bart maybe to wrap it up just in general a show or a character, or a specific effect, or even type of effect that you haven't done, that you would like to do. Maybe it's a movie that influenced you, that if you remade it, you'd love to be on, or a character, whether it's a horror character, or a superhero character, just something that you haven't touched yet. I mean, your freaking IMDb page, you've touched most of these properties, but is there something that you haven't done yet that you would love to try? No. <laughs> Did it. Yeah, I think I was at Mud recently, and somebody, they were like asking me if there was a comic book character that I'd like to do, and I couldn't think of one at the time, and I was like, I, when I'm done, I'll... I will think of it, and sure. and then so yeah. When I left, I was like, oh yeah, Dark Side. So I'd I'd love to do oh. like a Kirby accurate version of Dark Side, which uh, unfortunately the way things go, they'll probably just do him CGI mm -hmm. when they get around to him in uh, the Justice League movies, which is going to be unfortunate because Thanos is a Dark Side ripoff, mm -hmm. and by the time Dark Side ends up on the screen, everybody's <laughs> right. going to think he's a Thanos ripoff. So that's a little unfortunate. I was very happy to hear that in the Captain Marvel, which I guess they're going to start shooting next February or March, the Skrulls are the uh, the villains in oh, that. Cool. Oh, cool! And th those could be some cool makeup. So I, I hope they take a makeup approach, right? 
and not just take the lazy digital solution for that. I mean, obviously, they've, they've got to be digital for the transformations, but to have a nice Kirby or like the Neil Adams, you yeah. know, from those Cree yeah. uh, scroll war issues, something really, you know, with like the frog mouth and the bug eyes and yeah. the, the big ears. And lately, when they do scrolls, they look way too human with just the, the ridges on the chin. So right, right, hopefully, right. hopefully, they don't go for something that dull. I would love to see a scroll that when they get beat up mid transformation so like you have the part of them is still in in the human form or whatever form they had taken and right. then, you know they're falling apart into the scroll like like you were saying with Robert England in V with the half half mm-hmm. lizard face going I love I love it when that happened in the comics yeah I mean there's certainly a lot of possibilities there so yeah from those things coming up I, I think from the the past when I had my shop me effects at a shop from 94 to 98 and we did a handful of like we did, Rick subcontracted some men in black characters to us, and uh, we did the Peter Benchley, the Beast, Giant Squid show, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what else, a few, the, the leg for Fargo, and a few other things. But we were bidding on. Um, oh, that was Brent's leg as well, right? That was Brent Baker's yeah, he leg. Told us. <laughs> yeah, because he used to tell people, oh, I got a part in yeah. Fargo. Like, yeah, what part? My leg. Yeah. Well, we did the leg. We did the, there's the rubber axe that they attacked Steve Buscemi with. Uh, we made the axe heads for that. And there's a, when he gets shot in the jaw, there's like a two stage makeup. There was like a normal looking cheek that John Blake did a, a pull away to rip it open. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when he changes the uh, dressing on it, there's like one frame where you can see the second prosthetic that has got like the split and it's all kind of weird looking. So that was, I think that's all we did for that. That was, that was a cool, that's like, that's back when uh, working on good movies was few and far between. So I used to say, oh, it's nice to work on something you're not ashamed of. And, <laughs> you know, so like Fargo or like Rushmore, stuff like that. Yeah. Was, would definitely be those. But yeah, we were bidding on Freddy versus Jason. And mm-hmm. um, I think it, sounded like it was going to be K&B getting part of it and then MeFX getting the other part. And we were work, trying to work out if it was going to be, uh, like if they were going to do Jason and we would do Freddy or maybe they were going to do Jason and Freddy and we would do the victims. But then it, it kind of fell apart and then a couple of years later it got picked back up and, and it was in Canada. And, and then also maybe around that time Rob Bottin was going to direct one of the Freddy versus Jason, mm-hmm. like one of the incarnations. But I think his script got so expensive and I think he was recreating the characters too much that they got cold feet and, yeah. and decided to, not to go that route. Interesting with that was that uh, Ron Perlman was going to be Jason. So... Oh, um, huh. So, which I remember hearing that as a rumor, and then uh, I worked with Perlman in '99 on this uh, Paramount movie, Primal Force, where I made these baboon mutant baboons, mm-hmm. and so I asked him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Rob's a friend of mine," and so I was happy to do it. And, well, you the know. the internet rumors on that was like he was trying to give a lot of character to Jason, make him more of because Freddie is such a personality, and they're like, "Well, how can he stand in a movie with this like?" zombie that does nothing so they're trying to give him some jason something which you know bringing in ron perlman who's a great character actor in makeup but it's just like were you going to make jason talk like what were you gonna i I can't (laughs) even imagine what that was going to end up being like yeah i mean i'm sure there's a script somewhere maybe just in rob's files wherever those might be but yeah but you would assume that jason was going to do something that he wasn't just going to be wearing a hockey mask the whole time. Because, again, you had Ron Perlman involved. So yeah. Yeah, that could have been interesting. I mean, that's certainly a shame that that didn't, uh, didn't happen. I, and I don't remember if he was wanting to re... Maybe Bob Picardo was going to be Freddy. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if that was getting recast uh, or if they were going with Robert England. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure there's probably people around that 
worked on it. That was always such a secretive shop that you sure. never knew who was even working over there. And then, yeah, years later, it's like, what? You worked at Rob Boutines? Well, talking about casting, who would you cast as Darkseid? If they came to you tomorrow and were like, Bart, we want you to design the makeup. We want you to cast the role. Yeah. Who do well, you off the top of your head? Who do you think? Right. Well, I, I haven't given given. It I was thinking Michael Shannon. When you, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, it could, actually, would not be bad. No. But when before you even just mentioned him, when you were still saying Dark Side, I thought I was like, ask him who we would cast, and I was like, who would I cast? And I was thinking Ron Perlman jumped to the top of my head. The only reason I wouldn't cast him is because he's already been Hellboy, and I wouldn't want everyone to say, oh, he's already been Hellboy. But I think he would. I think he would. He's got the face for it. I feel like he's got the acting range for it. Yeah, I feel like that would not be a bad choice. I, what, I could think? see like somebody like uh, Kurtwood Smith. He was great in RoboCop. But yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've never taken it that far. You definitely want somebody like Perlman or someone who's not afraid of prosthetics. That's a good question. I'll have he's to. He's got such a big, broad face. I always I cast comics all the time. All the time. Do you remember Wizard Magazine? Yeah, absolutely. They always had that they article. They did stuff like that. Yeah, every month, every because there issue. Was no, there were no movies yet, yeah, or well, not many. Every issue would be like, who do you cast? Who do you mm-hmm. cast? And like at every issue in the back, there'd be like a, a, a fan casting. And right. Everybody would. Then the next month, we people would write in and argue why that was such a dumb did, idea. Did they ever do? Uh Dark side? I don't remember. We should, look, we should look that up. I know they did. I remember them doing Fantastic Four. I remember them doing Daredevil and like the X Men. I mean, this was before you could ever dream of an X Men movie. Right, right. But it was, uh, yeah, that was always always a fun thing to 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 check out. I'm a big Spider Man guy, and I was always trying to think of who would be good Spider Man villains. <laughs> and I always thought Robert Duvall would make a great, like, original Vulture. Right, uh, he would just looks. I mean, you know, he would kill the acting half of it, but look wise, he looks like an Adrian Toomes to me. I see right. him as the the classic version, and then well, who's the guy in Babe? Uh, I always thought he uh, the older guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he was in uh, like LA Confidential and stuff. Yeah, you, you need someone kind of lanky and the way Ditko. Yeah, doing, yeah. He was very you know bony yeah. and because uh, he's he's one of those characters that when you read it, usually usually when I read it in the book, I'm like what's his deal? Like, how would that translate into real life? And then I started thinking, like, actually, I could see it. It wouldn't make sense, but I could kind of see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was happy with, with Keaton. He's um, a good job for, like, an updated version yeah. of the culture, right? And, and I like that the, like, the, the whole bomber jacket with the... Yeah. To, to, you know, give you the feel of that collar that Ditto sure. drew without actually doing that. Mm-hmm. That was the... Um, as, as much as I, I love the, my Marvel movies, and I think they're 99% of the time they do everything right, but mm-hmm. um, a couple of times, you know, it's like they just missed the mark when it'd be so easy. Like in Iron Man 2, when Mickey Rourke shows up at the end, and he's supposed to be the Crimson Dynamo. Right. So, so it's like, why wouldn't his armor... It didn't have to be candy apple red. Correct. Like Iron Man's, it could have been primer red. Right. All the hammer drones could have been primer red instead of battleship gray, which right. was kind of Iron Man's color anyway. But that would have been just such a simple thing to do to make it a little nod to the fans. Yep. or And particularly, which I, I should have, when I was on Civil War, I, I knew the costumer and I, I wanted to ask her, I, I wasn't familiar enough with the script to, to know the scene was going to be in it, but like I knew Zemo wasn't going to be in his comic book costume mm-hmm. because it's like, admittedly, that's a pretty silly, even though it's a Kirby character and I love all the Kirby stuff, that is kind of a silly outfit. But yep. that one scene where he's breaking into the super soldier, place right yeah. and he's on like he's getting off a snowmobile and it's like freezing temperatures <laughs> right he wouldn't if, have a ski mask if on. he had had a purple ski mask <laughs> sure. with the the ribbing on it and if he had had a, a, a jacket with a big snow leopard collar yeah and he just wears that 
for the one shot where he breaks in the door and then yeah. he drops it off when he gets inside. It, the fans... Right. It would it, it would scratch that itch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and like in the trailer, you could have had like a shot of that and they'd be sure. like, oh, Zemo, you right. know? And then yeah. I'm just kind of surprised because these are the same guys that like they put the watcher in the movies, which like I remember when we were shooting the uh, that scene because they were doing a bunch of Stanley cameos back to back and uh, they had the guys dressed up as the watchers on set. Kevin Feige was there and he was just like, Giddy is a schoolboy, <laughs> you know, because he was just like, I can't believe it. You'll get Stanley and watchers. And I couldn't believe it when I saw the watchers. I flipped down. I was like, those are why my wife's like, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But so they, they do stuff like that. Yeah. And it's at least, uh, at least Kevin still talks to me. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's nice. Even though he's a big, a big uh, fancy producer now, at least he, he always says hi when we see each other and, you know, gives me a minute or two to, how you doing? And we were talking Kirby last time. So that was, that was cool. Eating um, Kirby crackle. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, here, I'll, I'll give you one more Marvel, uh, Marvel story for Avengers 3, Sean Gunn's there doing Rocket Raccoon motion capture. So we were talking a little bit about part three. That's just like, if y'all get into Rocket's backstory, you guys know who the high evolutionary is from, mm-hmm. uh, from Thor? Because his whole deal, he's like Dr. Moreau, his whole deal is mutating animals into humanoids. So I was like, well, he should be the scientist's that you've been alluding to who had engineered rockets. So he's like, hey, that's a good idea. He could literally see like a light bulb go off over his head. So I was like, well, tell your brother. So (laughs) so whenever Guardians 3 comes out, if High Evolutionary is in there, I'm taking credit for that one too. (laughs) That would be awesome. uh, Special thanks, Bart. Sci-fi mixing exactly. <laughs> Except that it'll be by then it'll be everyone else's idea but mine. So that's you why I'm here for first. Bart sci-fi mixing yeah. came up with that idea exactly. Well, that's and literally I'm telling everybody I know so that when it does happen, I can say, remember three years ago? We have it recorded. We have the evidence. That's true. Evidence now. <laughs> nice. Well, Bart, thank you so much. This has been fun as hell. I hope you had a good time. Oh yes, we really oh, yes. appreciate. We, well, it. We, I mean. Me and Rumi each have two pages of notes here, and yeah. we didn't get to everything there, that yeah, were yeah. on there. So there's more, and there's more stuff. And as we're talking, I'm like, oh shit, we could talk about. This. Oh shit, yeah. we could talk about this. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll definitely, we'll, we will have you back. I want to, and I want to have you back as a comic book fan. You know, primarily as a comic book fan too, not just as a horror and special effects Cause, guy. Because we got to talk about really comic book pages. Yeah. We got to. Yeah, talk. we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, shit we got to get into the comic book pages. We got to get into more Marvel stuff. I want to hear more Jack Kirby stuff. Yeah, because I do digital effects, and I was on the show Powers, which was a superhero cop show that played on a, a PlayStation Network, and I worked so hard to get the uh, Kirby Crackle. <laughs> uh, I, I was working so hard to get that in there and and use it, and they kept being like, "Why are you doing that? Why are you doing?" It? I finally showed them. I sent them this splash page of probably ten different pictures showing it, and they're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Right, and and they finally let me use it for for an effect when when he, this guy fires this beam. I Got to put all the all oh, the cool. Kirby dots in there, and that was just that was just such a, a thrill to finally get to right. see that in 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 a real live action thing. That's cool. That's cool. Well, have to, now is that the one that aired, or is that like the pilot that didn't? Because uh, I worked on one of the versions that never aired. This so. aired, yeah. It went, oh, okay, it's like a PlayStation. Is it PlayStation? PlayStation it's a, it's Network like streaming thing, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but but I got to do some of the the, the powery effects for okay. it, which was a lot of fun. I read the first book, the first. I don't know, twelve issues or so. Right, the, the Bendis book, and it was like it was great. It, I love Bendis when I love him, but there's other times where it's like a great idea, but the follow through I feel is kind of like eh, it's fine. 
I yeah, I I mean I got I don't know at least the first story arc or two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was kind of a, but ultimately it's kind of like well, I I want superheroes in my superhero books. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like when they're doing hey we're doing Smallville. You know, we're it's before Superman was Superman. Oh. It's like well, what the hell's the point of that? Yeah, you know? Right, <laughs> some guy. Um, <laughs> so I mean that was kind of my my bitch with the or my worry with the Inhumans was that they it should be on the scale of Guardians of the Galaxy. But, sure. But it's TV, so imagine Guardians on like a twenty million dollar budget. You know how right. how lush would that be? Yeah. And then <laughs> I haven't read. I thought I saw online. Are they is have they canceled Inhumans before it even aired? I don't think. I, th- I don't. It airs. I think in the next like five or six days. But they aired. I guess the pilot yeah. on IMAX or right. something on a certain day. I don't know how it did. I've heard. I've heard, yeah, that's what I heard. I heard people were like, well... I know they were saying it bombed, but also when you looked at the per screen average, at least on its opening week, it was the highest mm-hmm. yeah. because it's, you know, it was only on like 100 screens or whatever. Right, so right. It's, it's not going to make a lot, but but again, it just the, the budget limitations uh, were quite obvious. Other, yeah. Other than Lockjaw, he was, he was good. I've seen pictures of him. It just, it's such a cool-looking character, no matter who's drawing him or what it looks like on TV. Although I don't think he's got the little antenna on TV. No, right? he's got like a, there's the pattern in his hair. Eh. L- looks like a tuning fork. And I was hoping like at least when he used his powers, it would, it would like come up. kind of <laughs> lift up off yeah. his. But and again, it's like, why are you, you got a giant bulldog. So what, you know, a tuning fork on his head is going to be silly? Right, I mean, that's yeah. too you know, much. Yeah, it's like, that's oh, the line. That's, that's funny. That's, that's going too far. That's when we were doing... Uh, as you can tell, I always got a lot of stories. We're doing uh, <laughs> we're doing shithead on uh, Men in Black uh, Two, the mm-hmm. the dog dog poop guy, yeah. which yeah. that was the only makeup Kazu uh, refused to test. So uh, I ended up doing that one. <laughs> but we're doing a film test, and um, we we tried it dry, and then we put KY on it, and then we put um, <laughs> we mixed brown powder in with the KY and slimed it up with that. And Barry Sonnenfeld was like, "I'm not even going to film that. That's just that's just <laughs> too much." Right it, it, looked, <laughs> it just looked like you know diarrhea or something, but. But in the original sculpture, it had like a little pinch on the top of its head, like an ice cream or, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. The DQ swirl. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and like he thought, he goes, oh, that's too much. You got to take that off. And it's like, really? It's like this guy's made out of shit. He's got peanuts for teeth. He's got corn in his tongue. He had a shit tongue, but that's too much. The little pinch on the, it's like, all right, you know, whatever. So we had to like cut a little dart and fold it down, you know. But anyway. Shit. That's hilarious. Oh, well. And that's a good place to end. Yeah, right. Oh, man. And with that, well, Bart, thank you so much, man. We really, really appreciate it. Bart, before you go, where can people see your work? Where can people follow you? If you want to go to my website, which is uh, very cleverly bartmixon.com, there's Photos of, uh, I guess, a lot of what we've been talking about. Also, uh, probably, I've got, I don't know how many Facebook friends, so I imagine most of the people listening to this are, have probably friended me anyway. <laughs> I've got several albums on my Facebook page, different makeup albums. There's a, like a Bart Mixon's Monster Fixin's uh, album that's got a lot of the It stuff, which I, that was my company for a while. I used that for two credits. I should have used it more. <laughs> um, anyway, so those are the two main things I think I am on Twitter but I never tweet anything cause what's <laughs> what's the point of that but um, anyway so yeah those mainly the barmixon.com or, or check out the Facebook stuff well that's fantastic thank you so much again we really appreciate it and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at launchpad pod and check us out on Instagram at launchpad pod and our website launchpadpod.com we all float there sequence <laughs> start six Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. 
Alright guys, thank you for listening to our two-part interview with Bart Mixon. We had a great time talking to him. We hope you enjoyed it. Some great stories there, right? Well, as we head into the holiday season, most podcasts are going on hiatus, taking a break until the new year, but not the Launchpad Podcast. We know you're traveling, and we know you need something to listen to when you're on those long flights, on those road trips, stuck in traffic. You need something to listen to, and we plan to be there for you. On December 20th, we are releasing our Christmas episode. We're talking about Christmas horror movies, killer Santa Clauses, people who saw something traumatic as a child, and now the Christmas season just drives them crazy. And then, on January 3rd, we dive into 2018 with a brand new episode of Launchpad Pot. So we have two episodes coming up for you in the holiday seasons. We're not taking a break. We're sticking it out for our fans. So we'll be there for you.